0: Last week, we talked about cultivating a, a right mindset. We talked about how a mindset, we often find ourselves struggling against a mindset because we know we know so many things of what we ought to do, but we find ourselves not doing those things that we ought to do. Remember, if you guys were here last week, we talked about this. So so we find ourselves doing the things that we shouldn't do, because, even though we know better than to do that, right? And we picked on being in debt, you know, and being out of debt. We picked on that. You could pick on a number of of natural things that we deal with in life that that we often struggle with, uh, uh, whether it's your finances or your relationships or your physical health or any of those things. You could pick on those things, and all of us have some understanding or some idea of what it is we ought to do, but we struggle with doing the thing that we ought to do, right? And so, what the struggle is is not that not just the knowledge of knowing the truth and knowing what is good and what, what is bad and knowing the separation of that, but 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 knowing how how to affect our mindset or to control our mindset so that we begin to con, to uh, cooperate or agree with that which is good and to do those things that are that are line up with truth and line up with what's right. And that's the struggle that we find ourselves into doing, whether it be relationally and you're, you're, you're battling with, with uh, some rift between you and another person and, and and there's a part of you that goes, you know, I know I should forgive that person, but... And then you start dealing with that mindset that leads you down another road, okay? Now, how many you know that God said, if somebody does you wrong, that you're supposed to forgive them. How many of y'all know that? Half of you don't know that. All right, it's very important that you know this, that if someone does you wrong, your job is to forgive. How I many you know if they do you wrong more than once in a day that you're supposed to forgive them, right? Right. So, so you see in life, in everyday life, that we deal with the challenge of our own mindsets because we know what's right to do, but we find ourselves not doing those things. And so it's important for us to to cultivate a mindset that that is what the what Corinthians told us that the mindset or Romans, I'm sorry, tells us the mindset on the spirit is life. So there's this battle between the flesh and the spirit, and that's what we've been talking about, and that it's important for us to cultivate a mind that is set on the spirit. And there's a a few things that I want us to kind of look at today and deal with. Now, remember the definition of a mindset was a fixed mental attitude or disposition, a fixed mental attitude or disposition that predetermines, predetermines a person's response to and interpretations of a situation. You guys ever have those people that really know how to push your buttons? Uh Uh-huh, they do. Those people have figured out your mindset towards whatever it might be, you know, and they come along and they start pushing your buttons. For us, we kind of pick on... Erlene a little bit and we start talking about things that, uh, that are not very pleasant to think about and, and make you, mm, oh, mm, stop, stop talking about that. And it's all in her mind, right? It's all in her mind. I mean, you know, it, it, we won't get into the details of it because some of y'all might be in the same boat. but. Uh, uh, but we we find those buttons that we can pick on people, and then for some reason it's just it's just too fun to keep pushing those buttons until you see the reaction that you want to get. But the mindset you control the mindset of in your life, and those buttons get smaller and smaller and smaller, and less effective in your life. To where the enemy the enemy comes, you know. Uh, Jesus told Peter said, Peter, Satan has sought to sift you like wheat what's he looking for he's looking for your buttons he's looking for the places in your mindset in your in your beliefs or your attitude that he can push to get the effect that he wants to get out of your life he has sought to sift you like wheat he's looking to find that opportunity to to gain some ground in your life and he's pretty effective at it how many would you say that he really is Unless we get wise, unless we begin to understand. Go go with me to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. We're going to read about the time when Israel had been led out of Egypt. And they were led out of Egypt with great with great power. I mean, they saw the power of God. They saw the the famines and the plagues, or the plagues that came upon Egypt. Uh, they they saw God do miraculous events here, and they even saw God uh, drown the entire Pharaoh army in the Red Sea. You know, and you've probably heard people say, "Well, you know, you know." Because the children of Israel walked over this Red Sea, but he drowned them in the Red Sea. There's a there's an interesting if you like biblical archaeology. There's a interesting a guy I like to listen to. I'm trying to think of his name right now. But he 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 went over to the Red Sea, and he found uh, the place where he believes that the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. And what's interesting about it is that that the Red Sea, if you looked at beneath the water all along the Red Sea, it's got very uh, steep uh, drop-offs, and so it just drops off quickly. It'd be very almost impossible for the children of Israel to cross over uh, the Red Sea without being, you know, mountain climbers. So, but he found this place, and the way he found it was he looked along. They were looked along the the shores of the Red Sea and looked for a place that could hold several million people uh, and be closed in about. And when he found this place, uh, he. They, they began to look at what was underneath the water, and as they went under the water, they found that under the water, there was this this natural land bridge that just went under the water. You could walk out in the Red Sea in this location, just like you would in ocean, where you could walk out for long, long ways, and still you'd be this far above water. So there was this natural land bridge that went under, went under the water there, so God had prepared in advance the opportunity for them to, to escape, and so... Uh, they explored both sides of it. He had pictures of chariot wheels and axles and various things like that down along the side of this, this bridge. Uh, and, and so it was really, really interesting. But here the children of Israel had experienced, you know, God bringing them through all this rescue. And now he brought them to the, to the place of the promised land and he's getting ready to send them into the promised land. Now, if you've seen all the plagues you've seen all the power of God, you've seen the Red Sea split, you've seen water come out of a rock, you gathered up manna to eat every day that didn't run out, you've seen God sustain your clothing, you've seen all these things happen. Now, don't you think that you'd be filled with some confidence about what God's able to do? Don't you think? But you have to understand that we deal with our own mindsets constantly. In, in uh, Numbers chapter 13, we'll start. We've got the, you know, that they selected the, the, the men that were going to go spy out the land and, and see you know what what the inhabitants were like see what the produce was like bring back some produce and see because God had already told them previously that he was going to lead them out of Egypt which he did and that he was going to lead them into a promised land that fl- that flowed with milk and honey he already told them that in that land there are some people that are are bad people and they are already you know that they're supposed to be run out so he already told them that these things were going to happen and down in verse 25, after the spies had gone out and spied out this land, it says, When they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and, and, and to all the congregation, the sons of Israel, in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them, and all, all the congregation showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told him, and said, we went to the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey. At that point right there, that's all you need to know. You don't need to know anything else, because what you've just heard is exactly what God has said. And from this point forward, what we're going to begin to hear is then their own interpretation of what the events to come are going to be like, right? So he says, they told him, uh, we went by the land certainly as the land flows with milk and honey and that, it, that it, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are all living in the hill country and the Canaanites are living in the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb. It's always interesting when you got the naysayers. There, there's either a voice or somebody that comes in and goes, "Woo hoo! Wait a minute. There's there's another side to this story. There's another outlet. There's another there's another uh, view of what is before us." And Caleb quieted all the, all the people before Moses and said, "We should by all means go up and take possession of it." For we will we will surely overcome it. He had one opinion. He saw the exact same things that all the other spies saw, and he came out with a totally different uh, response, totally different uh, uh, interpretation of what he saw. And we're talking about a mindset. A mindset is a collection of beliefs and attitudes that predetermine your response to or interpretation of events. Okay. So here Caleb had a totally different interpretation, totally different response. Let's go possess the land right now, right now. And and he he was confident in that moment that that we could do this. But the men who had come up with him said, verse 31, we are not able to go up against the people for they are too strong for us. Hmm, so was Egypt. Uh, So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying. Now, see, they gave out to Israel a bad report of the land. Now, when when you are believing God for something, anything, it's usually something that's beyond your ability, right? Because if it's within your ability, you just go do it, right? So when you're believing God for something, it's something beyond your ability, which means that whatever you're up against is definitely too strong for you. But it's not too strong for God, right? But know this, that when you're believing God to do something in your life, there's going to be a lot of voices that come along that give you all the reasons as to why it's not going to work out that way. They begin to heap on. They begin to tell you all the bad stories, begin to give bad report, oh, it's going to go like this, and they begin to lay out this whole bad scheme of what's going to happen. And we see in, in Scripture here, that that it led all the people of Israel down that direction. Here's here's something that you need to, to understand. Things that are not of faith that are what we what I call pessimistic, negative, um, disaster, you know, prone, those things spread like like fire among people. We are we we are bent towards the negative. This isn't gonna work. Oh my, that's gonna fall apart. It's something about our nature. I mean, if we weren't bent towards the negative, wouldn't there be a whole lot more good news on TV? Wouldn't there be a whole lot more good news on radio if we weren't bent towards the negative? It's, it, it it's there because it's what draws people. They, they want to know the latest catastrophe, and they want to build up their latest, uh, their, their, their biggest reasons as to why things are just going to go bad and, and with no hope and no anticipation of good. So bad news spreads like fire. You have to purposely hang on to faith. Optimism, good news—you have to hang on to that. You know that's what the testimonies in the scripture are about. What God has done for some, He will do for you, right? You, you, you. I know, like old Smith Wigglesworth. Uh, you know, he was a, an amazing minister and seen a lot of miracles and people get healed and did a lot of things uncharacteristic as to what people would think uh, uh, a minister ought to do. You know, uh, but. Uh, while he was, he was different in a lot of ways, he was, he, they, him and his wife were adamant about hearing only what God is saying. In fact, he wouldn't even let a, a newspaper come into his house. No other publication. The only thing they had in, this, in their house to read was the Bible, okay? Now, I'm not saying you have to go out and do that, but, but the focus that he had to be focused on what God is saying instead of what everybody else is saying. The focus to, to hear the the power and the and the faith that 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 God produces or God can offer us in this life. It's amazing. So negative stuff spreads like fire. Uh, and we and we read, if you and, and if you read what negativity does in your own mind, because it's not about what just spreads, it's about what develops inside of you. You know, you're the you're the one that has to master your own mindset. God told Cain, said, "Cain, sin de- is desiring to, to to. I can't remember exactly how it says it, but but sin is desiring you, but you are to rule over it. You are to master it. So you have to master the things that that are controlling your mindset. You master your the things that control your mindset, and you'll end up mastering your whole life. Okay, so." Here's, here's, here's what happened to these spies as they, as they had this negative view of what was going to happen. It says, uh, uh, the men were of great size, verse 33. There also we, we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, are part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. The eyes of flesh will always see yourself less than what God sees you, okay? But when we walk in according to the flesh and see ourselves less, our enemy sees ourselves the same way. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. So the enemy, uh, when, when we don't see ourselves in the full stature of what God has provided, what God has made us, uh, when we see ourselves less than that, that's exactly the view that the enemy has over our lives. He sees us that weak. He sees us that anemic. He sees us that, that powerless, that, that faithless, that hopeless, that despair. And we just become these buttons that, that he knows we have. They just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Whether it be the things that anger us, the things that cause us fear, the things that annoy us, the things that frustrate us the things that, that manipulate our life that the enemy is looking to try to destroy us because he is an enemy. Remember back in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to go to Ephesians 3. Turn with me if you have your Bibles. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 4, last week we talked about there's two personalities involved in developing our mindset. One of them is the devil. Neither give place for the devil. And the other is, neither, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, who's trying to help you develop the right mindset. So the, the enemy uh, it sees a lot of what you see, how he, how you see yourself. In Ephesians chapter 3, are you all with me? Okay. In Ephesians chapter 3, we start in verse 3, it says that by the revelation that was made known to me, to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief by referring to this. When you read, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets uh, in the Spirit. To be specific, he says, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, fellow members of the body, and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The mystery of the gospel is this that, that we as Gentiles, we as, as people uh, that were not in the Jewish culture of that time, we won't get into all that, that, that we have been made fellow heirs. You and I, believers in Christ who've accepted Christ, have been made heirs, uh, joint heirs with Christ, fellow members of the body, and fellow partakers of the promise of Christ through, through the gospel through believing the word that God sent, that you have become a part of his family and that you belong in his kingdom and and you are taken from beneath to above. You are taken from being defeated to victorious. You're taken from being a sinner to made righteous in his righteousness. You're taken from being uh, ignorant and separated to now knowing all that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you. You've been taken from... Uh, from, from death to life, from nothing to everything. So that's who, that's who we are. That's what he's saying here in Ephesians, that you are an heir. You are a part of the body of Christ. You are a recipient or a partaker of the promise that he has. You are that. If you have believed in Christ, you are that. Now, where's our mindset check on that? Okay, well, yeah, yeah, I am, yeah, go, Brother Rob, yeah. But what does that mean? What's the purpose of that? Well, he tells us, look, "...of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the work of his power. To me, the very least of the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles." the unfathomable riches of Christ, you're an heir of his promises. And to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery or what is the plan of this mystery. He 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 has declared that you are a part of the body, that you belong to him. John chapter 1 tells us that as many as received him, gave he the right to become the sons of God. And so he's now declaring that if you've received him, you are a son of God. But what does that mean? It means that there is an unfathomable richness in Christ that is yet to be explored and, and uh, achieved or, or, or known or to experience the unfathomable richness of him. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has in store for those who love him that God has laid up for, for us. You know, the, the imagination, the understanding, we, we, our mindset checks us out of, out of all too often our mindset checks us out of the blessings and the promises of God because we're too busy living life by the flesh and by the mindset of the flesh that yes, the land is big and the, it is a blessing and there is a promised land and all that, but to get there, oh my the monster. I mean, the people are big. the the the, the battles are, are huge, and it's just it's it's impossible. We can't get there. We check ourselves out of it that quickly. But here's the purpose: the administration of the mystery, the plan of God to reveal why He made us a part of the body of body, why He established us in Christ Jesus, why He gave us His promises, why He filled us with His Spirit. The plan of God is for this, that. The administration of which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through, who? Through the church. To who? The rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. God's purpose, his plan for establishing Christ in us, the hope of glory, is so that he can manifest all his plan, all his wisdom, all his goodness to all the things that oppress you, all the things that keep you down, to all the things that beat you down, to all those things that have great big buttons on them that, that, that kick your teeth in all the time. I, you know, when you have kids, you reference a lot of Disney movies. You know, but anybody ever seen that movie Monsters Inc. Right? And you remember the little girl in that movie who hasn't seen Monsters Inc. See, all right, uh, <laughs> the little girl in that movie that was afraid of that monster until she realized she had power over that monster. And then what she started doing? She took the monster to town, didn't she? She took him to task. She she pulled on his antennas and beat on his head. And from that point on, that monster was rendered useless to her. He no longer intimidated her. He no longer created fear in her. She knew that she had dominion over that monster. And for this reason, God has put Christ in our hearts, the Holy Spirit in us, to to reveal the, the, the person in you that God's made you to be. To reveal to who? To all the principalities and the powers and rulers of the air. To all the things that afflict you, to all the things that come against you, God has put something inside of you to reveal his manifold wisdom so that that he could restore what he had planned from the beginning, he could restore in the body of Christ. And he could establish you as the head and not the tail. He could establish you as the victor and not the defeated. He can establish you in that place. He can do that if we understand that he's done these in us to as many as received him he gave the right to be or to become the sons of God we gotta we got to let our minds blow up on that idea because we have not fully uh, thought this thing through we're still looking at God as a, as a way to make our lives better okay he does that but he's got such a bigger plan than just that okay I got to go on. Ephesians chapter uh, 3 still So he made known to, to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places this was of course with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord verse 12 in whom we have boldness and confident access everybody say boldness and confident access boldness and confident access. I have confident access to God. I have confident access to God. How many people can say that and mean that? I have confident access to God. How many times, how many times do we come to God and all we see is either our ability to reach Him or our inability to live according to His Word? That's all we see so many times when we come before Him. And we forget that it is through grace that he saved us, not by works, lest any man should boast. It's not about your ability to reach God. It's about his ability to reach you. It's not about your ability to live righteous. It's about his ability to free you from sin and bondage and darkness and let you live righteous in in him. It's his ability. It's his accomplishment. And when we come before him and we have this confident access, what am I, what am I basing my, my approach to God on? What am I basing my access to God on? On how I've lived this week? I sure hope not because my righteousness is as filthy rags according to the word, right? Right? And so, I sure hope that no matter how good or how bad I do, when I come before God, I know it's by His grace, it's by the blood of Jesus, it's by what He has offered me as, a, as an heir, as a part of the body of Christ, as someone who has inherited the promises of God, that I could come to Him with confident access. And you know what? Remember what we said last week? The mindset of God and everything that He says and does is for redemptive purposes, right? Right? We said that last week, that all God's purpose is is to redeem people, to redeem you, to redeem what was lost, to redeem you back into the place of authority that he's called you to because he wants to display not only that he has saved you, but that he has raised you up that He's filled you with the Spirit, that He's lit you on fire, that He's put a sword in in your mouth, the Word of God. He's put a sword at your availability so that you in turn can demonstrate to the principalities and the powers of the air that you are in Christ, that Christ is in you, and there is glory to be revealed in the earth today. So that whatever sickness, whatever disease, whatever whatever thing the enemy throws at us, we have an answer and a response to. Because God, with God, I like this in in it's in Luke chapter uh, one, uh, and it's where Gabriel came down and he and he spoke with with Mary and he was telling Mary that you're gonna you're gonna bring forth the Son of God, the the only begotten Son of God, and he's telling her this and 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 she. Uh, you know, she questions how it's going to be, a legitimate question. And, and he says that, the, he tells her the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and all these things. Uh, and he says, and by the way, uh, your, your uh, cousin Elizabeth, um, you know, she's, she's, she was barren, hadn't had a child. She's in her old age. She's in her old age. <laughs> I've been there, done that. No. <laughs> 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 Woo. Uh, wasn't quite that old. <clears throat> she was already six months pregnant, and so so Gabriel's telling this. And and one version says that all things are possible for God. But I like this in the New American Standard. It says, "For nothing will be impossible for God." And when I first read that, "Nothing will be impossible for God," I thought, "I don't really like that." I don't, it it kind of didn't sit right with me for whatever reason. It just, it, it just didn't, and, and I thought, you know, I, I, I like nothing is impossible for God, but, but I got thinking about that will be, and I thought, you know what? If, if, if nothing will be impossible for God, that means that nothing is right now or that ever can come at you ever will be impossible for God. So not only where you're at now, you're not in an impossible situation right now for God, nor in any situation that you might find yourself in, will it ever be impossible for God because nothing will be impossible for him, okay? Nothing will be impossible for him. And so in Mark chapter 9, the, where the disciples are, or where they come across this, this young man who's demon-possessed, he's mute and he's, he's deaf, and, and the father of this young man's asking Jesus to do something, and, and, uh, he's, and he says it this way. He says, if you can, you know, please, please heal him. And, uh, and Jesus said, if you can, he said, all things are possible to those that believe. God has an intention for us to live in the possible, okay? All things are possible to them that believe. All things are possible To them that believe. How are we going to do this? Let's jump to Ephesians 4. I've got to move quickly. We talked a little bit about this last week, read through this, but it says, uh, starting in uh, verse 22, that in reference to your former manner of life, your former mindset, you lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in. Accordance with the lust of deceit, I like what uh, uh, the way the amplified puts, puts it uh, in verse twenty two. It says, "Strip yourselves of your former nature, put off and discard your old, unrenewed self, which is characterized which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lusts and desires that spring from delusion." It's very, very important what we put in, what we allow ourselves to think and to meditate upon, what we allow ourselves to, to receive and believe. Uh, we're not just this open place for people just to dump all, all kinds of thoughts and ideas. Uh, it's important that we, we control and, uh, to a large degree the things that we feed our thinking on, things that we meditate on. But here he's saying to lay aside, strip off, put aside, to discard these things, okay? These, these characteristics that were your old manner of life, the old man. Now, if he's telling us to put this aside, to put it out of reach, to, to disconnect from it, disconnect from that way of life, then he's obviously given us the power and the ability to do so. He would not tell you to do something that he did not empower you to do, okay? So, when we think about putting off the old mindset, when we think about putting off the old uh, fleshly nature, when you run up against this thought here, and all of us have, well, I just can't seem to help it. That is a lie. That is a lie that's actually empowering the flesh and neutralizing the spirit. Because the Spirit has come along to help us and to empower us to not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, okay? So so when we find ourselves thinking that we can't put this off, that's not true. God told us to, that to discard it, lay it aside, meaning that he gave us the ability to do that. Now he's going to tell us how we can do it. And he says to be renewed, next verse, to be renewed. To be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The Amplified says to be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. I like that. Be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. You know how often you got to do this? Daily, hourly, in some cases, about every second. You know? Just depends on what's going on. Sometimes you gotta fight to stay at peace and stay in in the purpose of what God has designed you to walk in. You'll have plenty of help. People saying, you know, I don't know why. You know, I understand. Hey, I understand if you're mad. I remember Jesse Duplantis telling about this story one time about when he uh, they lived in Louisiana and and. Uh, uh, you know their houses didn't have any skirting underneath them because it uh, just never froze there. And uh, this one time they they had a, a, a freak uh, cold spell and and their water pipes froze underneath their house. Long story short, um, he ends up having to go underneath the house trying to fix the, the frozen pipe and and you know in the process he he run, he he drags himself across this broken glass that got thrown underneath there, and, and he runs into a dead cat, you know, that's underneath his house, and, and he's trying to get the water fixed, and, his, and he's hollering up at Kathy, his wife, to, to turn something off or on, and she hits the wrong thing, and water comes, you know, in his face and all that, so he is mad, and so he comes out, he tells a story, he comes out, of that house, house, got that dead cat in one hand, you know, and he's kind of, you know, and his neighbors stand there going, go ahead, cuss, it's all right, I won't tell anybody. It's okay, you go ahead, cuss, I I won't tell anybody. (laughs) You know, there's lots of people that understand your dilemmas, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but to understand your dilemma And encouraging you to wallow in it is not healthy. To understand your dilemma and to speak the promises of God, the blessings of God, the power of God that that is intended to be revealed through the church to the principalities and powers of the air, that's life. To speak truth, to understand your dilemma and speak truth. That's life, and that's what we're called to do. The things that come out of our mouth are important. The things that we speak are important, so much so that God says that, that, that we will give account of every idle word spoken. So sometimes there's a lot of thoughts that will come into your mind, a lot of voices that come your way, but you're going to have to decide, which one am I going to agree with and which one am I going to speak? Because sooner or later, you got to speak. Sooner or later, it's got to come out of your mouth in a way that you begin to declare what it is that you believe. Because Jesus says, it's not that which goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but it's that which comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. Or I could say, it's that which comes out of the mouth that shows me where your heart is and what you really believe in. So when you see a situation that is that is that is an opportunity for God to do great things in, what is the mindset that checks us out of those situations instead of the mindset that says, give it to me, I'll take it and we'll do it right now. What is the mindset that checks us out? It could be different for each person. It could be fear, it could be doubt, it could be unbelief. It could be, well, somebody else will do it. Or well, I, I don't feel I don't feel like uh, God is just telling me to do that. Listen, him who knows how to do good ought to do good. Okay, and if it's good to do and it's the right thing to do, unless you hear God saying not yet, you go ahead and do it. Okay? You see somebody that needs prayer, you need somebody, see somebody that needs encouragement, you see somebody that needs a hand, needs to be to be helped out a little bit, needs to be blessed, then unless you hear God saying don't, then you do. Get a mindset that is forward thinking, that is, uh, is more aggressive. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But the being continually renewed in the spirit of our mind, having a fresh and mental attitude, and it says, and put on the new nature, the regenerate self, creating God's image and true righteousness and holiness. You have to see that I, this is who I was, but this is who I am. Sometimes we live right here in the middle, and we don't don't belong in the middle. We belong one side or the other, and if we're going to live this way, then go ahead and live this way. Now, that's not Rob saying you should, but if you're going to do it, just go get your fill of it. That's what he did with the children of Israel when they cried out for, for meat, and they were sick of the manna, and they were sick of God's ways, and they were sick of God's blessings, and they were sick of God's power and His deliverance and all this stuff. They were sick of it why i don't know wrong mindset and so god gave him enough quail So listen i'll give him enough quail i'll give him quail for what was it three days journey or or, or so far all the way around the camp two three foot deep something like that they ate quail every which way you could imagine they had it all spread out and dried out. I'm not kidding. They really did. They dried it out. They cooked it. They figured out we're going to season it with a little bit of this and season it with a little bit of that. They and they, But it wasn't just that they ate it. They gorged themselves on it. The Bible says until it was running out their nose. Sorry, Erling. I'm sorry. Now, listen, just because I've revealed one of Earlene's buttons doesn't mean y'all get to go pushing on them. So you're supposed to be listening to what the words saying here. (laughs) Be nice. Be nice to her. So we are to put on the new nature. God wants us to put that on and live that way. Let's go back to uh, Joshua, Joshua chapter 14. I'm going to wrap this up with um, Caleb is a great example of having a right mindset, keeping a right mindset, living a right mindset. Because, you know, we talked about last week, we talked about the things that, that kind of trip us up, things what, that talk in the end of Ephesians chapter 4 there where it says to be angry and don't sin, and how easy it is for anger to develop delusions in our mind. Have you ever seen somebody that's really just angry all the time? You don't have to give them a reason. I mean, they create their own. I mean, it's it's delusional. It's a delusion in the mind. Somebody's always against me. You know, it's they're they're you know they're talking about me. I can't you know the way they looked at me. They're talking about me. I got I know they're talking about me. You know, they looked at me and smiled, and I know they're saying something. You know, we have this mindset that predetermines our response and our interpretation of. And it's deadly to the body of Christ. Deadly. Neutralizes us. Caleb had a different mindset. And, you know, how do, how do you think that when he said that we should go in and possess the land and all the other spies, except for Joshua, you know, were, were giving us bad reports and said, Telling everybody, no, we can't do that. We can't do this. No, no, no. How do you think that made him feel? You think he was a little frustrated with that? Do you think, have you ever been in a place where you wanted God to do something so bad but nobody was with you? Nobody was walking alongside of you? Nobody was encouraging you? Nobody was saying, yeah, you go for it, brother. You go for it, sister. You believe God. You trust God. Nobody was alongside of Caleb. But he says in Joshua chapter 14, he says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. But I followed the Lord my God fully. Because God wasn't saying run and hide. God was saying go and possess. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land in which your foot is trodden will be an inheritance to you and to your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God fully. Now, behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years from the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses. When Israel walked in the wilderness, and now, behold, I am 85 years old today. I wonder if it was his birthday or if that was just a general term. You can play with it however you want to. Maybe it was his birthday and he's thinking, it's time for me to receive my gift. It's time for me to receive what God's promised me. I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me, and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. So Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, uh, the Kenizzite, until this day, because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. Now, the name of Hebron was formerly something-something for Arba, was the greatest man among the Anakim, and then the land uh, the land had rest from war. So, so Caleb was just as strong at 85. Forty-five years he held on to his confidence and faith. Forty-five years he had a dream. He had an idea. He had a promise. He had a word that God would give or do something in his life, and he held on to it. Can you imagine walking in the wilderness? It could have easily been, well, you know, this, you know we wouldn't be out here in this wilderness if they'd listened to me. Those people don't know what they're talking about. Where are their brains at? They, they've lost their brains somewhere, you know? you know. Why am I having to endure all this, this wilderness stuff? Why am I having to go through all this because somebody can't get it right? He could have found a myriad of reasons as to find a place for bitterness, disappointment, discouragement, and ultimately find a place where he could blame God. Because you know, after all, he was right; everybody else was wrong. But he didn't let that find a place inside his heart. Because back in in Numbers, it said said God said that uh, Caleb had a different kind of spirit. He had a mind that was set on the Word of God, on the promises of God, on the belief of God. He knew how to lay aside all the junk that the world offers you and to take on the Word of God that God has for you. God can do anything in our lives. He intends to do amazing things. I think Sister Sarah reminded me of the verse last week, that greater things than these shall you do also. When Jesus was referring to the miracles that he was doing, that he intends that the body of Christ be be able to show the greatness and the goodness of who God is. He intends for that to happen through his great works, through his mighty works, through miracles and signs and wonders, to happen through who? The church, so that so that this present world darkness finds that it has no strength, has no ability to overcome God in the earth, to overcome the name of Jesus Christ. It does not have that power. Do you and I, you know, we have the challenge of of maintaining grabbing hold of this mindset and hanging on to it. Caleb had There's three things about Caleb's spirit that I want us to get a hold of. Number one, he was forward thinking. He was always in forward motion. It was never about retreat. It was never about going back. He had a a hold of a word of God that was forward. It wasn't backward. It wasn't even stationary. It wasn't even, oh, God, just protect me where I'm at. It was, God, let's go forward. Let's take what you have for us. Let's dominate. Let's, let's fill everything that you have for us. Let, let, let it come to pass. God has given us great promises to fulfill. People that need to be the gospel preached to, and people that need to be saved, and, and people that need to hear the good news, and family members and children that are lost that need to come back into the household of God, people that are sick and diseased that need to be healed, need to be completely recovering from their, their diseases and infirmity, people that are oppressed or possessed by the enemy that needs to be set free in the name of Jesus. These things need to happen, and they need to happen through the body of Christ. They need to happen through us. So Caleb was forward-thinking. He was, He also, he was, um, it's right there in my notes. It's, <laughs> he, was, he was forward-thinking. He was aggressive, not passive. It's not about, you can't, you can't inherit the things of God sitting around hoping that they happen to you. If you're going to develop the right mindset, you've got to be aggressive about it. The Bible tells us that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. What's that mean? You need to have a little bit of an aggression, not anger, but an aggression towards uh, achieving or, or walking fully in the things of God. He was, he was uh, forward-thinking. He was aggressive, and I can't remember what the third one was. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, what is my mindset today? That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? That I am what he says I am? That I am the the child of God that he says I am or that I can be? Am I defeated? Am I whooped? Am I in need? Am I victorious? Am I triumphant? Am I equipped? To develop the right mindset, you have to lay aside. You have to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And you have to put on, put on Christ. You have to. The mind that's set on the flesh is death. The mind that is set on the spirit is life and peace. God wants us to, to remember every, everything that He says and does is redemptive in nature. He gave Adam dominion over all the earth. Now, what dominion means to you or means to me might be different things. One thing's for sure. He didn't mean for you to be a punching bag for the devil. He didn't mean for you to be a place that this world could dump all its trash on and beat you up and whoop you down. He meant for you to be, be full in a way that, as Jesus said, that, that Satan has come to me and tried me, but he has found nothing in me. He wants you to be and remember, when I say this, I'm not saying that it's dependent upon what your works are. It's dependent on your ability to receive Christ as he is and receive all that he has for you. Father God, stand with me if you will. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Well, I just ask you, Lord, to help us with our mindset today. Reveal the areas, Lord God, that we've compromised, or we've let slide or let go. Lord, help us to cling to your word, cling to your truths, Lord God, the truth that's in Christ. Help us, Lord God, to grab hold of of what you say that we are, Lord God, and that that becomes our whole thinking, that becomes our whole mindset. That, Lord, that if we're saved, because you said we're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You said we're redeemed. You said we're forgiven, Lord God, because we've confessed our sins to you, that you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Lord God. You said that we had bold access to come into your presence, Lord God, which we do. Lord God, we know that, Lord, that we have an audience with you. That, Lord, that whatever we ask in your name, it shall be done. Lord God, we believe today that the body of Christ is rising up. That We're rising up in the strength of Christ. We're rising up in the new man, in the new nature of Jesus himself. That, Lord, we're putting away the old, we're putting off the the mindsets of this world that keep us, hold us back, that are not faith, that are not hope. Lord, we cling to, Lord God, the hope that you've put inside of us. It's an anchor for our soul. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If God be for you, who can be against you? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, he said. I've overcome the enemy. There is nothing that will be impossible for God, and nothing will be impossible to those that believe. You have to simply believe that. Walk that out. As we worship God today, just worship Him because He's good, because He's loving, kind, generous. Too many times we get before God and we're worshiping God so that He can do something for us. Doesn't it just feel good just to love on somebody just because you love on them? It's because you love them. You know, I don't need anything from you, you know, you know but I sure do love you. You know what I call it when you're doing loving things for somebody to get them to do something for you, you know what you call that? <laughs> Manipulation. <laughs> Not love. But just love on somebody because. And I promise you that God will respond. He will respond in your heart today. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship the Lord.